0: You're listening
1: to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend Gil Martin, and my name is JJ Leahy. Gil's a writer for the SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV. And in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers news update. We're here to talk Packers because we're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Guiding you through the offseason from free agency to the draft and all the way to OTAs, we've got you covered. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, hit us up on Twitter at JJLahey or at GilPackers, or you can email us at AskNoHuddle at gmail.com. Gil, we're going to kick this off with a question that I had on my mind. I was trying to figure out in my head around the league, which teams do I hate the most? (laughs) So I actually threw a poll up on Twitter, and I asked Mm. people to go through with the NFL division by division and tell me of the four teams in each division, who do they really hate the most? And I got to tell you, the more I thought about it, the more I realized I kind of hate almost every team. You know, there's
0: <laughs> Well, at least you're equal opportunity.
1: There's like twenty-nine teams in the league that I just oh, you know, just really don't like. And um Okay. The Packers obviously are the best team, not just in the NFL today, but in NFL history. This is just, you know, this is a special a pure team can do no wrong. Everybody loves them. I fully expected them to <laughs> receive a solid 0% in the hate rankings. Mm. There was a team in the NFC North that received less hate than the Packers. But, okay. Can
0: I guess which one it was? Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be Detroit. Well, see, I live in Michigan. so. Right.
1: I have a lot of feelings of hatred for the Lions because of Lions fans. Lions fans. Listen, just today I was getting harassed by a Lions fan on Twitter who was just following me around and just tweeting obscene things in reply to everything I said. Just because I have the word Packers um, right there in my name. It says JJ Leahy Packers News and uh, got the Packers logo in there. And and just because of that. You know, and I, I gotta say, I respect his hate game. So, <laughs> I, I want to see what what your hate game is like. We're gonna go through these, and uh, we're gonna figure out across the league who do you hate the most, and and we're gonna weigh heavily who do you think are just some real big time Packers rivals. Especially because Gil, I know that you have a distinct fondness for looking back in history. I mean, you're you're old as dirt. You remember stuff. <laughs> you remember what Curly
0: Lambo smelled like. So <laughs> All right. No, but I was a couple of years behind his sister in school, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's
1: start with one of the easier divisions in the league to hate. That would be the NFC East. Give me your most hated team there.
0: Got to be the Patriots. <laughs> I don't no, think no, NFC, any, East. Uh, uh, NFC oh, East. NFC
1: East. Dallas Cowboys.
0: Got to start right there.
1: All right. Cowboys fans, I think, have earned this. It, it doesn't matter. The Cowboys have sucked for the last you know, 25 years at least. The Cowboy fans have earned this reputation for just, I mean, if you had given any other answer besides the Cowboys, I might have hung up our <laughs> Skype call. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to give uh, going to give some honorary mention to the Eagles and the Giants because Philadelphia booed Santa Claus.
0: Yes, they did.
1: I don't think that anybody who lives in Philadelphia is going to defend that town. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm also going to say, uh, New York Giants fans. I guess it's all all New York sports fans in general, but New York Giants fans they have a weird chip on their shoulder that. Always surprises me. Every time I talk to a Giants fan online, I'm surprised how chippy they are. They come at anybody who mentions their team in either a positive or negative light, kind of like, well, how dare you mention them? Or if you're talking about other teams and not the Giants, well, I guess the Giants don't matter to you, do they? (laughs) So, I mean, man, this whole division, they suck, and it was hard or It was um, hard to feel sorry for them last year when all four teams were basically trying to see how hard they could all suck together.
0: <laughs> and none of them finished above 500. So, yeah.
1: All right. This this is going to be a really interesting division to look at here because of all the recency bias. The NFC South. Who's your most
0: hated team? The NFC South. Right now, got to go with the Bucks. If I
1: pay attention to the recent pain of the 2020 season, the Buccaneers are right there, you know, and they got a bunch of players that I really can't stand. But expanding out over, you know, my entire football viewing career, I got to say there's another team that just drives me batty, and it's the Falcons, actually. Interesting. I think I think I'm still stinging from the 2016 NFC Championship game. The you know the the Falcons and the Packers have a pretty historic past together. They have played a bunch of really meaningful and painful games
0: together. True, very true. Give me your AFC North. AFC North. You know, boy. Um, I guess I go with the Ravens, but I don't have a lot of conviction against any of these teams, to be honest with you.
1: I'm going with the Ravens as well. I grew up in Ohio. I live in Michigan now. Yes, I'm a Packers fan. Don't try try and stay <laughs> keep up here. Uh, but I grew up in Ohio. I love the Browns. You know, the Packers are, are my number one team, but uh, I, I have a distinct fondness for the Browns. And we, Ohioans, have... A lot of bitterness toward Baltimore for stealing our team.
0: Yeah, I can understand that.
1: Give me the AFC West.
0: AFC West. Uh, I'm going to go with the Raiders, and I used to really like the Raiders, but the way they've moved that team around, uh, I always felt badly for the fans of Oakland who always supported their team and got shafted not once but twice. Uh, wasn't a fan of the Al Davis lawsuit to force the league to accept his team moving. So uh, not for any of the players on the team or anything else, but for those reasons, I got to go Raiders.
1: They're an easy team to hate. Interestingly, I guess I've been forgetting to mention who won the hate rankings on, in my Twitter poll. (laughs) Uh, The chiefs obviously are, are across the league. They're the most hated team, probably because of how successful they've been recently. I got to just mention, though, I have a lot of bitterness toward the Broncos for handing us our one and only Super Bowl loss to this date. Yeah, yeah. So the the Chiefs did win in the AFC East. Shocker of all shockers, the Patriots came in as the number one most hated team, and there (laughs) is no other correct answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Did anyone even come within half of what they got?
1: No. So the Patriots had 84%. Uh, in second place, you had the Jets at eight point three.
0: It, it how? I, I mean, look, I live in New York. I'm I've been surrounded by a lot of Jets fans my whole life, but they've never been good enough, long enough to really hate. I no, mean, it's
1: it's Jets fans, is what it is.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: All right, let's look at the uh, AFC South. This is an interesting one. I am shocked. The Texans took this one away in the Twitter poll.
0: I'm not that shocked just because of all the negative uh, things that have happened to this organization in the last year, especially bad trades, all kinds of rumors about the coaching staff and now their quarterback and uh, sort of the disarray that this team is in. Um, So I, I can understand, even though they haven't, you know, had a bad season last year, why some people would vote for them.
1: I'm going to be honest. I cannot bring myself to care enough about any of the teams that the <laughs> AFC at South to hate them. I will by default put the Colts at the top just because they have beaten us the most out of any of those teams. But I, I still, I, it's just hard to care about them. And, and they have had a lot of sustained success over the years. So for that reason, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to give them the respect of making them my most hated team in that division. But I mean, this to me, I am so apathetic about the AFC South.
0: Not, yeah, not the division that brings out the most emotion in me, positive or negative. I, I can't, you know, I understand why you chose the Colts. I have some pretty fond memories from when I was a kid of some good teams in Baltimore with, Burt Jones and Roger Carr and Lydell Mitchell and uh, and that. So I never really developed a hatred for the Colts. Didn't like when they pulled up and left Baltimore. But that's a whole different story.
1: I'm going to hit a couple of these that I missed before we wrap this up. Uh, The Steelers did win the AFC North by a substantial margin. Seventy one percent of the vote went to the Steelers. Buccaneers took the NFC South at fifty seven percent. Uh, we already talked about the Cowboys. Okay. Here are the final two divisions. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate this division with a passion. Just can <laughs> we just I just throw the NFC West in a volcano? I loathe <laughs> that division. I cannot. There's only one nice thing I can say about the NFC West, and that is that it's very competitive and usually at least three teams in that division are giving everybody a run for their money. I can't think of anything else nice to say about the NFC West. I hate those teams.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, if I had to pick one team as the team I dislike the most, I guess I'd go with the 49ers, but uh, Seahawks would be a close second. And uh, I mean, the the Cardinals haven't, you know, been good long enough for any sustained amount of time for me to really dislike them, although that 2009 playoff game is a bad memory. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I, I would have to probably go with San Francisco or Seattle.
1: I mean, obviously, San Francisco and Seattle are the two most hated, both by me and by everybody on Twitter. 49ers actually came in second, if you can believe it. With 40.9%. And the Seahawks took it away with 494 The Cardinals took a measly 1.9%. And I guarantee that's just because they have sucked so bad over the last few years. I don't expect them to be a really good team this year. But I think they have been doing a good enough job of building up that team this past couple of years. since uh, Since 2018. I think that they are going to turn some heads this year and uh, climb up those hate rankings a bit. I'm going to say the Rams are the team in that league, in that division that I can stomach the easiest, but 49ers are my most hated. Just behind them is the Seahawks, and just behind them is the Cardinals. I hate those three teams so much. And there's only one division in the league that I feel as strongly about, and <laughs> that's the NFC North. <laughs> Okay, so who's your most hated team within our division?
0: Ah, boy, ah, you know, it's really between two teams, but I'm going to go with the oldest rivalry in football and go with the Bears. I mean, my brother, believe it or not, is a Vikings fan. So, yeah, I I, I know. But my, my brother is a Vikings fan. So for me growing up, that was a bigger rivalry. But the tradition of Packers Bears, the biggest city in the North, uh, in the Midwest against the smallest city in in professional sports, uh, you know, going all the way back to 1921, to me, Packers Bears is probably the biggest rivalry. And I put them at the top of my list. And, and I go back even to the 80s with uh, the Ditka versus Forrest Gregg years when that rivalry was just white hot.
1: I'm going to give the Bears the honor and the respect of insisting that they are my most hated team. I would be pretty ticked off if a Bears fan said that he hated the, that he hated the Vikings more than he hated the Packers. I respect our rivalry too much, even though the Bears have been so toothless these last honestly a couple of decades. I mean, they okay, they they did go to the Super Bowl uh, within the last 15 years, but I mean, come on it wasn't good. <clears throat> the Vikings clearly are the better team between the Bears and the Packers, especially I'm sorry, the Bears and um
0: Vikings. Yeah, watch watch that.
1: <laughs> I'm going to get booted off of uh, Packers talk. <laughs> <laughs> but I I'm I'm going to give the Bears the honor and the respect and say the Vikings aren't worth it. They're just uh they're just a team of imposters and the bears <laughs> genuinely do suck. All right. Well, we're going to move on. Uh, what in the world are the Packers doing? I'm I'm asking that sincerely. And uh, you and I have talked about this a good bit and we've given a lot of analysis and thought to what in the world is the Packers' strategy right now? Because uh, I- they're not they're not going after the big name free agents. Which we didn't think they were going to do anyway. No, but a lot of other people did. They're also not really saving money. They're pushing a lot of dead cap into next year when, just FYI, salary cap is not projected to be going up a lot next year. Right. They're also not, as far as we can tell, working on an extension with Aaron Rodgers. There are rumors that they are working on some sort of a... Weird contract restructure with him that might involve adding void years, which as of like two weeks ago, Packers never touched those. In the last two weeks, void years appear to be Russ Ball's favorite new toy. Yeah, he's adding. I mean, come on. He added void years to Mason Crosby's contract for crying out loud. So to kick this conversation off, I'm going to read something that Andy Herman wrote on Twitter. Mm hmm. He said, the more I think about the offseason, the more I think Green Bay got caught in no man's land. They can't blow up the team because they're coming off back-to-back NFC championship games and have a ton of talent. But they can't go all in and add talent because of cap constraints. Run it back was the middle ground. Now, like every truly good tweet out there, I don't fully just accept it at face value but it gets me thinking a lot right this is a good tweet this is a this is a, a good idea and i want to i want us today to take a look at the packers off season. and rather than say here's how you fix it here's what they should do here's what they should have done forget all that what are they trying to do? Let's let's put together these clues and figure out what the Packers are going to look like this year and what do we think their plan is for the future. Take it away, Gil.
0: Well, I, I kind of wrote something similar to this for Cheesehead TV that was published uh, Thursday, today, while we're recording. And, you know, to me, the way I'm looking at it is the strategy is this. Uh, the Packers were 13-3 and this past year were the number one seed in the NFC and knew they were coming up against a very difficult cap crunch coming into this offseason. And essentially to me, the philosophy is this this team in twenty twenty was good enough to win a Super Bowl. They didn't do it, but they made the NFC championship game. They were the number one seed, got the bye. They and... were the best team in the league. They were the best team, certainly in the NFC and probably in the league. And, and you know, maybe you want to debate Kansas City if their offensive line was healthy, et cetera, et cetera. But let's say this. If you're talking about the top three or four teams in the league, 95, 96 percent of people would say the Packers were in that group. Let
1: me ask you a and, quick question here. Hang on. Yeah, so, go ahead. If the Packers had played the Chiefs in 2020 and – Patrick Mahomes was healthy and he actually played this time. Who mm-hmm. wins that game? The last team that has the ball. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So maybe we don't have a, a, a firm answer on who was better. All right, go ahead continue. I,
0: but, but to me, the the goal has been, and I think this has been something that Brian Gutekunst has been thinking about since last year. Keep as many of your own guys as you can keep this team together to make another run with this team that was good enough to win the Super Bowl uh, one more year. And you saw that with the re-signing of Clark and Bakhtieri last year, and then Aaron Jones and Kevin King and Mercedes Lewis. And really, you're trying to keep your core together and make one more run, and you hope that the team gets better with the addition of an uh, a, a bigger role for AJ Dillon, more maturity for MVS, uh, a couple of draft picks, and maybe a couple of role playing free agents who are not big names but secondary signings who can you know whether it you, you take over the Tyler Irvin, uh, Tavon Austin kind of a role, or you get a you know a run stopping defensive lineman to replace Snacks Harrison or Tyler Lancaster plug in a couple of low-priced free agents, add some talent in the draft, get more from a Kamal Martin or a Chris Barnes uh, as these guys mature, uh, a Josiah DeGuara, a uh, Jay Sternberger, and basically make another run with the very talented team you have. If you really believe that the 2020 Packers were good enough to win a Super Bowl. And I think 95% or more of Packer fans would agree with that. You're you're returning 21 out of 22 starters, realistically, from last year. Christian Kirksey pretty much lost his starting job by the end of the season, and he's not back. And the only guy you lost that was a major starter is Corey Lindsley. And they really couldn't keep him under the salary cap. So you're returning 21 out of 22 starters from the number one seed in the NFC. And you're trying to make another run by a good draft, a couple of moderately priced free agents, and bringing back the core of that team for one more run before you know that this team can't be kept together any longer. To me, that's the philosophy. And given the cap constraints that they have and the age of Aaron Rodgers and the situation that he's in right now, I, I think that is as close to going all in as this team can get right now.
1: Oh, no question. They went all in. They've pushed 30. What is it? $31 million into the future this off season and 18 that goes into next season. Yep. This is, they are flat broke. They are spending with the company credit card here to bring this team back together. We got a listener question that just fits in real perfectly with today's topic. Nick on Twitter wants to know, how do we think the Packers will improve this year? And I I shot Nick a quick answer that I'm going to share with you here. They're going to get better this year the same way they did last year by getting better production from their existing players. They improved a crazy amount from 2019 to 2020 with nearly the same roster. Those players are back again this year. The best thing the offense can do is be more consistent, which a third year in the system should achieve. They, Mm -hmm. they got way more consistent from 2019 to 2020. What was their biggest problem in 2020? Obviously it was consistency in the games when their offense did fall apart It was because they weren't consistent. The defense, I think, is a little bit more of a question mark because we brought in a new defensive coordinator. It's possible they could regress a bit due to overhauling the scheme, but they brought back every single position coach on the defensive side of the ball. All of the coordinators and coaches, with the exception of Mike Pettin, came back. Mm-hmm. That to me says Matt Lafleur be- believes in the coaching staff and the players that he had last year. When by the end of the season they were a top ten defense, uh, they down the stretch there up until the NFC Championship game when they completely fell apart, um, like they did last year or I mean <laughs> the year before as well. This was a an electric, dynamic. Defense, a powerhouse offense. They have more than enough to win a Super Bowl. And the mm-hmm. biggest issue on both sides of the ball is clearly consistency. That's not something you fix in the draft. That's not something you fix in free agency. That's something you fix in practice. That's something you fix in the off season. Bring guys back for another year. Getting the same guys, not bringing in new faces. Look. In the 2019 and 2020 NFC Championship Games, Preston and Zadarius Smith together combined across two games for two pressures on the quarterback. hmm In two NFC Championship Games, they each got a half a pressure apiece. Yeah. That's pathetic. Rashawn Gary was non-existent in the championship game. Our corners didn't do that good. Our safeties were phenomenal.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But turns out you can't win a game with just safeties. So, look, I don't think any fans out there are going, oh, you know, Zedarius, you know, that's not good enough. You need to upgrade Zedarius. No, nobody is saying that because they know that Zedarius is a freak. But right. Darius needs to be more consistent, especially in those big games. You can't have him not showing up. He makes too much stinking money to be invisible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you got to figure Preston Smith should do better this year than he did last year. Rashawn Gary should con- continue to mature. Uh, you you got to expect Darnell Savage will continue to develop by the end of the year. You had uh Adrian Amos playing at a Pro Bowl level late in the season, probably the last six to eight games. Uh, Kingsley Kiki can can certainly improve and, and bring more. There are a lot of players internally. Uh, certainly, uh, Kenny Clark can have a better year, especially if he stays healthy. He got off to a very slow start last year uh, and didn't really come on until December. So, I mean, there are... Just with the guys you have, there's plenty of room for internal improvement on this defense, Uh, and it just becomes a question of of getting that to actually happen. But uh, I agree with you. I I think this team, as it's constituted, is good enough to win a Super Bowl, and that Brian Gutekunst looked at this roster, looked at his cap situation, looked at the age uh, and and contract situation of his quarterback, and said this is the best. Uh, approach I can take to getting another championship for Aaron Rodgers, and it may not be popular in the off season when your team is as quiet as the Packers have been relatively. Uh, but you know what? How many times in the off season have the w- Washington Football Team uh, signed the biggest <laughs> free agent and ended up? You know, w- the guys you sign in March, the, the the teams that make the biggest headlines in March. Very rarely are the teams competing for the Super Bowl the following February. So, you know, you could sign all the big ticket free agents you want. It doesn't guarantee you anything. Al- Al- Albert Haynesworth, anybody? Anybody? You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, so uh, they're, they're, look, I understand you want to get better. You want to make this dramatic move. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best way to keep this team competitive for another Super Bowl.
1: There is one position on the entire roster that I would say is outside of this run it back philosophy that they seem to be implementing. That is the defensive line. Yep. We know that there are leaks from the Packers organization that they want to overhaul the D-line. It sounds like Joe Barry is not a fan of the guys on the D-line. That they were offering for him to work with, uh, they're they're keeping. Um, help me out here. What's what's the position coach's name for the D line?
0: Uh, uh, Montgomery. Yes, yes.
1: Uh, get you know Brock the coach. He's a great coach. The players look. There's an issue there. Now Dean Lowry is still on the roster. I believe he was paid a roster bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, so that to me. Is a little bit troubling that maybe they are going to actually keep him. It kind of looks like they will. Yeah. But uh Tyler Lancaster has not been re signed. If you look at D linemen that we actually have on the roster right now, you got Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Kingsley Kiki, and then behind them, you have Anthony Rush, Willington Prevalon, and Delante Scott. Uh clearly. There's going to be some additions at D-line because that's just not enough to put a team on the field. Uh,
0: they, the, go ahead. the good thing about D-line is unless you are bringing in someone who is a very, very good pass rusher, you can get some run-stopping defensive linemen without breaking the bank.
1: You can, and the Packers, I think, need to. I agree. It's been, it was bu- really bizarre to me that they didn't do that in 2020. Okay. When we first hired Mike Patton, first thing mm-hmm. that he, that they did was they brought in D linemen. Look, we need uh Muhammad Wilkerson. We need these big old boys to set up a nice stout D line. The D line has eroded over the last few years And all last offseason, I kept expecting them to make an addition at D-line, and they didn't. And they went into the regular season with the bare minimum number of D-linemen on the 53-man roster that you can have and still put a defense out in the field. And then it seemed like they were paying for it throughout the season. You know, they Mm -hmm. were not getting they they were getting the results from their D-line that I think we all expected from that group of guys. And you saw Kenny Clark regress significantly, probably because he had not really any help around him. Makes a ton of sense. Um, and then Goody kept bringing in different guys like Anthony Rush throughout the off or throughout the the regular season. Uh, Billy Wynn was a major get. He he played great snaps for us until uh, I remember what his injury was. ACL, maybe, but he's not on the team anymore. This is the position on the team where I don't think it's realistic to expect that they're not going to make additions. The two other positions that we talk about all the time, cornerback and offensive line, it's possible they're done making moves there. I Mm -hmm. hope they're not, but it's possible. And I would put defensive line in a different category. I don't think that Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry or Kenny Clark and Kingsley Kiki is the plan. I think, I think they are planning on still bringing somebody in and that probably is going to come in the draft.
0: No doubt they will draft someone. I also think they'll add a moderately priced second tier kind of a defensive lineman, uh, in free agency to bring in a veteran presence. Not, you know, not someone who you're going to be like, wow, we just signed so-and-so, but just like, you'll be like, yeah, that was that 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 guy could help us a little bit. That that would be a good addition if he stays healthy and plays well. So, uh, you know, I think that without breaking the budget, they will add to that position during this off-season.
1: All right, speaking of adding posi- uh, guys uh, in the off-season, last week you and I debated who do we want to move to center? You said Elton Jenkins I said Lucas Patrick. We had a nice, clean split of 75-25. Lucas Patrick won.
0: Okay. Congratulations.
1: You get to pick first this week. We're debating cornerbacks in the draft. Okay. Who do you want the Packers to draft at cornerback? And for the purposes of this conversation, since all of the really – elite guys are all going in the first round. We're assuming that they'll draft a cornerback in the first round, even though as you and I both know, and as all of our listeners know, there is no guarantee the Packers are are targeting cornerback in the first round because they never do what you expect in the first round. (laughs) So go ahead. Give me your dream cornerback in the
0: first round. You know, uh, keeping it semi-realistic, I'm going to go with JC Horn of South Carolina. Mm. I think he's got a good combination of size and speed. Uh, to me, Green Bay already has a smaller cover corner in Jair Alexander. They probably want someone with a little more height. Horn is 6 foot 1 and that certainly helps. He's a physical guy. He could play well in zone and I think overall he would be a good fit for the Green Bay defense uh both in his measurables and in his style of play. Man,
1: I hate when you pick a position that is just really good and hard to argue with. I was, I was kind of hoping you were going to go with Greg Newsome, who, I mean, come on, let's be honest. If there was a guy who just kind of had Packers written all over him, it's Greg Newsom because that's the guy I don't want them to draft, which means they will <laughs> draft him. <laughs> you had to go with J.C. Horn. Here, here's what I'm going to say about J.C. Horn. Horn in college had a lot of issues with dumb penalties Mm -hmm. uh he was always just kind of pushing the envelope there seeing what he he could get away with uh he was flagged five times in only seven games this past season according to pff i'm going with a guy who is just clean from top to bottom he's smaller but he is clean and athletic And he just floats across the field. I'm talking about Asante Samuel Jr. Asante Samuel, he, when you look at his speed, his agility, his ability to change direction on a dime, his explosive playmaking ability, and how high he can jump, this guy, to me, is an 11 out of 10 in every athletic contest you could put him in. He also is a big admirer of Jair Alexander. He likes to talk about how size does not hold back Jair at all. I will give you this. It is nice in the Jair and Kevin King combo that you have that bigger body corner so that when you're playing against the Falcons, you can put Kevin King on Julio Jones and you're not as scared about uh Jones going way up high and snagging a ball out of the air that that uh, Jair just can't reach. It is nice to be able to put a big corner against a big receiver. But look at the way Asante Samuel can just fly through the air and just levitate vertically. I'm saying you don't need to be that tall. Just jump up and get it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, well, we, we shall see. It'd be an interesting fit. Um, I just think he's a little too similar to Jair Alexander and you don't want two of the same kind of guys on either side, although obviously a clone of Jair would be (laughs) outstanding, but, uh, you know, I want to diversify the skill set a little bit and that's why I would go with horn, but you know what, to be honest with you, they're both darn good football players.
1: They are both good, but look, we're just not seeing eye to eye on this. So we need the fans to weigh in and settle this for us. Otherwise I'm going to have to drive over to your house. I'm going to have to pull my Dukes out. We're going to have to settle this mono (laughs) and mono. (laughs) So fans head on over to Twitter. We're going to post this poll at the top of our Twitter profiles. That would be at JJ Leahy and at Gil Packers. You can find the poll at either one of those. Make sure you follow us both while we're over there and uh, feel free to shoot us questions Keep up to date on all the breaking news that we love to cover. And uh, we just love talking to football fans in general and especially Packers fans. That's it for today. We'll be right back here in next week. Again, keep up with everything uh, Packers related on Twitter at Gilpackers at JJ Leahy. And you can ask us questions, of course. You can also email us questions at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get. Podcast. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go pack, go. Go pack,
0: go. Vote for me. Huh? Vote for me. (laughs) You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com.